Prophecies have foretold, and wisdom keepers all know, that the rise of the feminine will restore balance to our world. In this podcast, we are on a journey to understand the root of the imbalance that has caused disconnection and dysfunction within our humanity, so we can emerge as leaders, creating a new story on Earth. I'm Lauren Walsh. And I'm Shayna Connors. With humble hearts and open minds, we will converse with spiritual teachers, historians, psychologists, revolutionaries, leaders, and healers to navigate these evolving times and reintegrate the feminine history that we have forgotten. Welcome to the Time of the Feminine podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Time of the Feminine podcast. This is Shayna, and today I have the honor of interviewing a very special elder, Jyoti Ma. She is the vision keeper of the Center for Sacred Studies and the co-founder of Kumari. She helped to convene the International Council of the 13 Indigenous Grandmothers, many of you who know Grandmother Flor de Mayo, Mona Palaka, Clara, and also the Unity Concert. She founded the Fountain in order to restore an economic model based on reciprocity and collaboration, guided by nature and the sacred. She's a delegate of the Mother Earth Delegation of United Indigenous Nations. Through her work, economic, social, and environmental solutions, she has developed and creatively addressed the global challenges of our time. Thank you so much for walking the walk and paving the way for us all, Jyoti. It is such an honor to have you on the podcast today. Oh, it's an honor for me that you have thought of me and invited me in on such a delicious dialogue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I haven't seen you, I don't think, and since our... Yes, yes, and I heard everything rolled out in the most delicious way, so... That's extraordinary. And these kind of dialogues are so important right now in the prophetic moment we're all standing in. So I want to talk to you about a lot of things. But firstly, why don't you just share with us where you've been? You were just traveling and you're going on another trip. So where are you in this moment in time and what are you working on? (laughs) I'm on my pony. I just got back from attending the Stockholm 50 plus gathering that was held there 50 years ago. They got together in Stockholm and they created some papers that talked about what we needed to pay attention to and do to care for our environment. So we got to Stockholm, not to celebrate that all of that had unfolded in a good way, in a timely way but really to bring an attention to the critical moment we're in because we didn't take care of things. We still are way, way behind on what is needed in the attention that is needed. For me, I think that everybody is now on board and talking about climate change because it's kind of in our face. It's coming in unprecedented moments with hurricanes and tornadoes out of season and flooding, and droughts, and earthquakes, and so it goes, because the Mother Earth is is trying to shake us awake. But it also, these are the symptoms of something. And so for me, 
we're working at where the elders have pointed to, which is more the core of the cause of it all, which has to do with sacred territories. You see, the earth has these sacred territories that are like her acupuncture points all over her body. And over the many, several hundred years since colonization started to move across these lands, buildings were put on top of these sacred territories and sites. They've been fenced off so that the original caretakers of those sites cannot come in to do the ceremonies and protocols that the earth herself gave to them to do to keep those breathing places of health for her open and vibrant. And so our work right now is that there's just very few left of these biocultural diverse regions that are cared for by the original peoples of this planet. And we must run in quickly to protect them, to preserve them, the cultures that care for them, the language of that earth, because the language itself is a code that unlocks things in all of us. And we must start a a movement rapidly to help to restore, regenerate, and reactivate those other sacred sites that have been hampered by the history I just described. So we're in a large global movement with that, that occurrence. We're in many, many dialogues, particularly since the pandemic. You know, the Kogit gave us a prophecy in 2013. I've walked with my community and I have walked with the prophecy of the Eagle Condor for all these years. And we didn't go seeking it. We woke up inside and realized we were helping to serve it and would be walking and instructed by it. So in 2013, a small group of us were brought to Columbia. And we were told then of this next part of a prophecy that the ending would fall into the beginning in 2026 and that the beginning would roll out with those individuals, organizations, movements that were based on original principles. Those original principles vary according to different nations, but at the base of them, they're about reciprocity, collaboration, heart, unity, and all life is sacred. Hmm. They said it was important to observe the ending as it fell down so that we would stay informed, but to stay focused on that which was breaking through. And that which is breaking through since the pandemic, I've been in meetings that are up to 12 hours a day through the Zoom. (laughs) My grannies say that we're Zoombies now. (laughs) Mm. But we've been meeting with people from all over the planet that are carrying those restored models that bring us back to an original way of life that's based on mother law, on the protocols of this earth in order for us to sustain life and for all life to be cared for once again so it can continue to care for us. The way it's been shown to me, I'll just tell you a little bit of a story of when I was traveling years and years ago in on a pilgrimage in India, and I'd go into some of the ashrams and the sacred temples there, and there'd be a clock on the wall. And from 12 to 1 would be 2,500 years, from 1 to 2 would be another 2,500 years, and so it would go 26,000 year cycle. The very end of that cycle was a dark time and it was called the Kali Yuga. 
And that's the time we're in now. It's the time when the ending falls into itself. When we've come to the end of a cycle and we're moving into the next 26,000 year cycle. If you're listening to this podcast, if you're meeting in circles like this, if you're having this level of discussion, then you're the ones that have put your skin on to come in this time of the turning and assist the great mother as she moves into her ascension process, moving from the lower chakras of survival and understanding of survival through our animal instinct and into the heart where we begin to ascend and become the human beings that we've come here to be. So we're a species making a choice about ourselves. Are we going to go along into the new dawn? Because that's where it's all leading us, into the new dawn. The eagle condor prophecy, for those that don't know about it, there was a time when the North America and South America, Central America, all one piece of land. And then there were great changes on the earth and it broke apart and pulled apart to be what it is today. And when it did, the people were torn apart. And they said the North would begin to fly like an eagle, would take on the fire and the air of the mind. And the condor would take on the heart. And there would come a time when the eagle would almost overpower the heart, the condor. And at that moment, they would begin to fly together. And when they did, we were opening to the new dawn. And so that has begun. We are 2013, 13 years of deep, deep cleansing. Here we are at 2022. And in 2026, four years from now, we are coming to the ending, falling into the beginning. So I like to tell people, don't look at things like everything went wrong. Stand back and receive the bigger picture that the prophecies have prepared us for and now are instructing us in. Because when we do that, we realize we've just come to the end of a cycle. Mother Earth has been through five extinction processes before. This is her sixth one. So she knows how to do it. Can we listen to her? Because she's trying to tell us how to take our steps. Thank you for sharing all of that. There's so many points I want to go forward in. But, you know, as a human being, as a, a daughter of this earth and a steward of really this, this rebirth that I feel within our collective consciousness, death is also a part of it, you know, letting old ways die, letting ways of being die, letting our capitalist systems die. And as an individual for those listening, how do you walk? How do you transmute these energies within yourselves to show up as a steward of this, of this new time? Well, we've been really lucky in my community because she started pulling us together about 35 years ago, and we ended up acquiring a 160-acre ranch, which is now in the process of going into the hands of a Mayan timekeeper. So I'm really happy about that, and we'll walk further on with him. But I'm getting at an age at 70. My sister says I'm starting my 75th walk around the sun. So, you know, some decades we've I've been walking this way. What's important to remember is when she she gives us everything we need. And she tells us that the instruction right now is to stay in the present moment, stay fully present in the present moment. Don't let your mind run ahead to see what's going to happen because then you might get scared or don't let your mind run behind because then you might bring regret. But if you just receive what she sends you in the present moment, 
integrate that, she'll take you to the next moment. And that will begin to bring a rhythm that is then aligning with her rhythm and her heartbeat. And then you are more deeply listening to the instruction that she's sending us. So she gave us in our community of Kaimari, she brought up our 14-mile logger road. Many of our indigenous elders, our original people is what they prefer to be called by now. She brought them up our mountaintop to initiate us in ways of prayer that went back to the original times. And those ways of prayer began to instruct us in a way of life that was different. When I look back at the statement that she's been crafting through us for all these years, she said, wake up, help others wake up, create your communities, your spiritual communities that allow you to learn how to live in that original way, again, listening and in dialogue with nature herself, honor her, take care of her as she cares for us. And then she took us even further into uh, activating the uh, and, and convening the International Council of 13 Indigenous Grandmothers. And that activated the grandmother of, uh, in all nations around the planet to stand up in peace and to bring that, to start to heal our hoop of life because it had been broken through our Western ideology. And so from that place, when we come in from creator as an infant, and we move around that hoop of life, growing as we do, going through rites of passage and initiation, which I think are so important. And we've lost our way a lot because we've taken those big chunk of pieces out to acknowledge as we walk life, the changes that it brings, the teachings it brings, and then the wisdom that it brings as an elder. They say that you're an elder when you're 50, you're an adult, when you're 51 years of age, that you've finally reached it to adulthood, and that now you're an elder in training until you're 60. (laughs) And that's when really your soul's work that you came here to do, that's when it shows up. You're not finished, like many have told us in the West, when you start your aging process. In fact, quite the opposite is true. You're just becoming ripe enough for your soul's intention to reveal itself. And so I think that's an important part of the process. As we came along the trail, she then gave us the fountain. The Kogi call it the fountain for natural order of our existence. And in that space, which you just read the mission statement for, to restore an economic model that's based on reciprocity, collaboration, and guided by nature and the sacred. What it's shown is like we're sitting at a world table and every single one of us has the thread that goes back to our ancestors. Now we've had to heal it. We've done a lot of interracial healing, intergenerational healing. We've done a lot of personal healing along our trail. And now we're at this place where we're collectively jumping into the healing of this planet. So we've got a strand that we've cultivated, that the divine has cultivated to bring us to this right now. Now we sit at the table and every one of us declares what that thread is about. You see, because when you're back to that original economic model, it's based on value, not debt. It's based on all people are sacred at the table. All of us are sacred in our intention with life. So we come and we declare it 
And what's so amazing is that coming to sit at that table too are our original people. And they have brought a thread unbroken from those original times through horrendous times in space with a heart of courage and a passion for life and an understanding of its sacred, its sacred order. And so they've come to sit at the table and help us know how to weave our strands so we can reveal this new dawn in its tapestry. It's a world of harmony that we're returning to. It's an original state of consciousness that we're returning to. So you spoke about something around the fountain and the sacred economic model that I have so much curiosity to dive into more because having come from the business world myself, you know, the way that we've grown global sisterhood has really been about reciprocity. How can we do the most for the most people, but how can we also be an integrity, be sustainable, take care of ourselves. And so it's been a dance of learning and understanding Mm -hmm. And I'm curious because one of the things I think about a lot in running a women's organization is, you know, when I talk about a woman's worth, women are constantly feeling like undervalued in our society. And I often think about why, and one of the reasons why, and there's many reasons is because women's work has been underpaid forever or an unpaid being a mother is an unpaid job, being a caretaker. They found that the more people you care for, the less likely you are to be paid you know, original people's land has been taken from them. They are not valued in our culture at large. Their wisdom is taken for granted by many. And so I'm curious about how we change this value system. And based on like this economic model that you talk about, how do we begin to reframe what we value as a culture? Well, I think we've got to come back to the place where the bad seed was planted to begin with. And the bad seed was planted... When the Vatican sent out letters um, to all those that were going into different continents around the planet and said in these letters, they're called the Papal Bulls, that said that the people that were living there were less than human and that they needed to be brought into the church. They needed to give up their culture, their ways, their language And if they chose not to do so, just kill them and take their lands. And so that's when land started being possessed. That is the moment when we literally cut our strand, our relationship with mother, with mother earth herself, with the deep feminine. This is a feminine planet. And so mother earth got that. They sliced it and pushed us into a colonized state that then rolled out over the over the many centuries that would follow and it brought with it it objectified land it it brought a brought everything into a commodity land is a commodity let's drill deep in it brought a an attitude of extraction in the jungle when i i had a house in the jungle for 22 years where i brought many of my community to go through initiation and to reconnect that place with the deep feminine, the mother herself. A part of the jungle? I was, I was in Mapia, which was in the Brazilian ah, Amazon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Beautiful. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I loved that. I missed my porch because I used to be able to hang on my hammock in the morning and the monkeys would call and wake me up. <laughs> mm, so you were but, with Clara. Yes, I love. Oh, yes, I love. Yes, very much, very much. So, mm. you know, some of where we were, 
where when, when we went back into that place and we reconnect with that place, then we realize that we bring in an attitude of receptivity of things are sacred. We follow process rather than dictate or try to manipulate or navigate. We follow process. It's a very different rhythm. I learned in sitting in ceremony, a different way of thinking and of being and of speaking. Because in the West, we talk a lot. What I was about to say, and when we were in Mapia in my home there, they would call the West the termite people because everywhere they go, they consume, they eat it up. That's been our history for the last few hundred years. But if you go back before that time, that's not what our, our way was about. And so right now, the work we're doing right now is to, re, is to heal that, to heal that place where we cut ourselves from our nature, the nature that lives in us, that we are part of nature. We're not lords over nature. We are part of nature. And we're at a big moment prophecy that the mother earth has sent us through her original people has prepared us for this moment and now is instructing us in this moment. Will we listen? It's such a strong moment to be in. Absolutely. A... <laughs> it's like going to get stronger. Yeah. It really suffocates her. And so I want to talk about the original people. You know, I recently started working with the Yawanawa people down in the Amazon rainforest, learning from them and studying their tradition. And it's such a privilege to be listening and walking with and hearing from these people. And I want to talk about that. I want to talk about why it's important to listen and to learn from. And if you have the privilege to, to walk with original peoples, and perhaps I know you've you've done it for quite some time. If you can share some of the things that you've learned in walking this way. It's a well of richness. You know, nature is an intelligence beyond all intelligence. And that intelligence has sent it, her protocols into the original caretakers of this planet. And that wisdom is what they will sh share with you when you come to sit with them. Many times when we in the West, we go into a new culture and we just start asking a lot of questions, but we don't sit and receive and listen. We go with an expectation. We go with that ex same extractive attitude. What can I get from this? So when you start to sit with the original people, when you start to sit in ceremony, when you start to take a moment out of that busy push, push, push energy, and you just start to show up. You know, when we started our community, the mother said, the key to the magic kingdom, just show up. Now that sounds really simple, <laughs> but it is quite a deep work. So as I've come to walk with, and now I have for more than half my lifetime, for over 40 years, I've been walking this way. I've had the great privilege to sit with many spiritual elders from all traditions around this planet in that time. I've come to appreciate the diversity of the different lines that those original people hold with those protocols. You see, each part of the earth, she has, if you just go visiting around the planet, it's like 
go flying in and out of different dreamscapes. You go into India and they have a different dress. They have a different language. They have a different way of holding life, especially if you go back to the original cultures in those countries, because the West has flowed out all over the place and influenced a lot. And it's stamped down cultures thinking they were less important when really they made a big error in judgment. That wisdom, that intelligence is going to push by what we have man-made in order because it's organic in its nature and it's been living on this planet for millions of years. It's got more understanding about the flow of evolution than we do as a human species at this point. But we're about to wake to something, and many are waking. So I think it's important to just deeply listen. They sit and they tell you stories. You know, sometimes those stories hold a wisdom. And they've got they're you've got they're like a sacred seed they may be handing you. And you may not get the understanding of that seed for years. And then all it will start, it will keep teaching, though. It will bring things forward in your understanding, it will open and awaken things in your own DNA. And all of a sudden you will be able to see it and the intelligence it was gifting you all along. In their ceremonial ways, there are certain ways that you enter different ceremonies and certain ways you are asked to hold and be present in those ceremonies. They're not just about rules like how to behave in church, be a good girl or boy. They're really about teachings. Each of those protocols are mother law, and each of those laws are not about restrictive life. They're laws that help us honor life and fully present ourselves to it. That's what that wisdom of our original people. They're also looking right now and telling me that we have to go through and unlock ourselves in the box that we've been put in through the colonization process, and we've all been put there. And it's through a lot of our language and particularly the English language. So... You know, I remember when they said, made the difference in what the difference in land and territory is. In territory, it's the land and everything underneath it and the land and everything above it. Because you see in these sacred sites, there literally is like a spirit house, if you will, that covers below the land and above the land where this spiritual being lives that instructs the energy and life in that section of the planet. That's why we've got to activate all of these sacred territories because they reverberate out and they touch the other one until they start to push push the mother earth in, into her original life force. It seems that we do keep ourselves in our own caves. And I really appreciate what you brought in about language because so much of what we conceive in the West is through the English language, which is very linear and logical as a language. And, you know, a language is so important because it's what even forms our own thoughts. And so when we don't animate living things like rivers and streams and trees, like the author of Braiding Sweetgrass discusses, we have a harder time honoring its life. And so I think it's a, 
a beautiful place to kind of coalesce in this acknowledgement of language as, as a cage and also as one of the many things that we do to ourselves and on a larger societal scale of keeping us, you know, separate from nature, contained. Well, I'll tell you a story. A few years ago, I was asked to help produce the Unity concert. And it was brought to bear because Obama, when he was running for president, his first term had gone out to the Great Sioux Nation. And he had said, if you unite yourselves into one voice and bring us a management plan for the Black Hills, we will see what we can do to return them to you because those Black Hills were taken. And the government has been telling them that they are saving up the money so they can buy the black, they can receive money for these black hills. Now it's up to, I don't know, it was some six or seven years ago, it was 1.4 billion. And so it's increasing, but they don't want that back. They said, why should we, why should, why should you pay us for something that's already ours? They, they don't want to make an, a commodity out of the sacred hills, the black hills. So there's 17 tribes in the Great Sioux Nation. They were all splintered from the colonization, horrendous treatment that's gone on, which you've already alluded to, and which are more beginning to learn about, like what happened with the children in Canada. So we started meeting uh, with elders, working on this management plan, an old way of how to care for the Black Hills and how to restore and regenerate them. But it was so splintered that we were told if we started the unity concert, brought native and non-native together in honoring of the black hills of the sacred territories, that things would start to shift and unification could reoccur because the current that we must ride on to get through the keyhole into the new dawn is unification. That's easy said than it is to carry and walk with because all of the things that don't want to unify come <laughs> they get made visible and then you've got to transform, transmute and integrate so that it unifies. So we met on the third year. Um, first year we we held the concert. The elders came to me and said, Jyoti, when something as sacred as this comes, it has to be laid down four times. So for three more times for the unity concert. On the third year, I was holding it like if you go to sweat lodge, you're in ceremony. A lot of times there are four cycles of four. And that third one is a healing cycle. And so I knew, oh, we're going to get into what caused all the split that third year. And sure enough, we did. And on this side of the great divide were many that were saying only Native peoples could come into these ceremonies. And they were held by chiefs and medicine people and healers and elders. And on this side were those that said it wasn't up to them to decide who came into their ceremonies. If they came with regard and respect, if they learned the right protocols and listened and learned, then it was up to the medicines themselves, the ceremonies themselves to call those people in so their door was open. So this was what we had to walk through with the Unity Concert and honor all, all of the choices, all of these belief systems. And we weren't getting the monies, weren't flowing, was the team was starting to lose heart. 
And as I have been told, when you take on a prayer and put it in motion, think about it real carefully before you do so. Once you do, then you've got to follow the prayer till it plants itself. And it may come out, may do different steps than you ever anticipated, maybe challenge you. I hadn't even seen we're going to come. Maybe awesome things that also come, miracles may occur. All of this is possible when you're following the prayer. So we're following the prayer. And all of a sudden, spirit comes and says, you are about to enter the valley of the smoky mirrors. Now, they showed me what a smoky mirror was like an orb, but it was all smokies. If you got pulled inside, you could only experience the reality that was in that orb. You could not see outside of it. You wouldn't even know if another one bumped into you. It was the valley of the smoky mirrors. And the instruction was that we must walk through the valley of smoky mirrors and hold the mirror where only divine reflection can be seen. Now, that instruction As we look around the planet right now, we are definitely in the valley of smoky mirrors. And we can get distracted by them and pulled into them and lose sight of the walk that we've all come to do that is dedicated to evolution, that is dedicated to life. And evolution is not personal. It's going to move with or without us, you see. It's going to move itself into that ascended state in through the new dawn. No doubt about it. I love this story. And it's true that this smoky mirrored illusion is all around us. And it shows up with this like time that we have to do things quickly and all of the distractions that we face. And so it's good to have stories around these things to help us remember. So I know from my experience of being in the smoky mirrors, as we'll call it, in this dark abyss place. It's hard to know like how to take the next steps and how to trust. So maybe you can share a little bit about how you keep faith in those darker moments. I'll tell you another story. The grandmothers, when they gathered, decided that they wanted to go to each other's home places. So it was, this was our lessons and protocol, literally. So we went to each other's home places, each grandmother's home place, and had very different place on the earth, had a very different culture. They dressed in different ways. Their languages were different. And their original language, many times throughout the planet, has had to go underground somehow. It's not used fluently amongst all the people. So they were awakening all of this in us and the teachings of what the protocols were bringing us back to a memory of who we are truly at the, at the heart of ourselves, who we are truly. And we were on our way there. And I was like, our staff was helping to organize all the logistical pieces with this and helping to raise all the funds for this. And we were about six weeks out and we had, we needed $85,000 more in order for, because Grandmother Serene was hosting the event and we were going to be in Dharamsala and we were going to be meeting with His Holiness, the Dalai Lama, and eventually would meet with most of his family. And it was quite an amazing, remarkable journey through Grandmother Serene's beauty and prayer herself. And so we're six weeks out. And here on this shoulder is this bad angel, if you will saying, 
And if you don't get the money raised, it's going to be your fault that you don't get, the grandmothers don't get to go sit with his holiness, the Dalai Lama. And on this was the good angel. It would just say, just breathe, just breathe. So I was really working this on a personal level. All my stuff was coming up, all my little thoughts and my doubts, all of that stuff that distracts us. And But I was determined and I was working it and was working it. And finally, a friend of mine called and said, Jyoti, there's a message coming to you. Sit down. So I took the time and I sat down and I received this mantra. And I'm going to share it with you. You have to say it three times. So I'll say it is, it, this is the mantra, how it goes. I am the divine mother. She lives in me and everything she needs comes to me easily. So I'm going to say it three times now. So you say it after me and that way your the listeners can too. Then it's okay. theirs, theirs to use. I am the divine mother. I am the divine mother. She lives in me. She lives in me. And everything she needs. And everything she needs. Comes to me easily. Comes to me easily. I am the divine mother. I am the divine mother. She lives in me. She lives in me. And everything she needs. And everything she needs. Comes to me easily. Comes to me easily. I am the divine mother. I am the divine mother. She lives in me. She lives in me. And everything she needs. And everything she needs. Comes to me easily. Comes to me easily. And we met with His Holiness, the Dalai Lama. We made this trip. And the last $10,000 came to me in the lobby of the hotel by a princess. (laughs) (laughs) so it works this mantra you know you have to really feel it and be it i say it all the time she she is living in me Mm -hmm. she is bringing everything she needs i'm in service to that i'm in love with that the divine mother just gave me that mantra directly (laughs) thank you so much (laughs) yeah Well, thank you. And thank you for this beautiful prayer you're walking with. May Mm -hmm. it continue to flow with ease and grace and touch the many that want to come and drink from it. Thank you. And so for the last question, Mm. it is about the Divine Mother. If the Divine Mother were to speak a message to our audience through you as she lives in you, what would she have you say? Believe in yourself love yourself and then turn around and share that love. This is the moment of awakening. Wake up. Don't slumber any longer. Don't dwell in your mind. Live in your heart. They say when the mind drops into the heart, then and only then are we home. So may I welcome you all home. It is a beauty day. Blessed be. Blessed be. Thank you, Jody Ma, for being here on the Time of the Feminine podcast. You can hear more about her work at thefountain.earth. And we will link also the other places you can find her. 
Is there anything else you would like to say to our audience? Have courage. Hmm. You know, you, we are ready for this moment. And when you're not in your mind and you're fully in your heart, you know that. And so it is. And so it is. And so it shall always be. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Time of the Feminine podcast. And if you'd like to learn more about the Global Sisterhood, you can follow us on Instagram at the Global Sisterhood, or you can tune in to one of our programs. Just go to globalsisterhood.org. It is such a privilege and such an honor to speak with all these amazing women and to continue to speak with you. If you would like to join one of our circles or programs and dive in deeper and have these conversations yourself with us, we would love to invite you in deeper, sister. So just go to globalsisterhood.org to learn more. Okay, talk to you next time.